I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days, breaking down every team in the NFL to get you prepped for the 2021 fantasy football season. As always, I am Neil Smith, joined by Mr. Steve Bonham. Hello. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday here, August the 21st, just for context as we sit down to record these for you. So if anything we're going to talk about here sounds a little bit dated, uh, check out the wrap-up show, which will be dropping basically right before the season starts, right before Labor Day weekend. Always draft on Labor Day weekend. Do not draft before that. Otherwise, you are making a mistake that you will likely pay for at some point. As always, we'll be referencing our own collateral. You can find that at importantnonsense.com and also check out importantnonsense.com slash Patreon for $1, one little dollar a month. You can join up as a Patreon and get access to our Discord. Talk to Steve, talk to myself, talk to our entire staff. Poke the bear, poke angry Aiden. Take your life in your own hands. Go nuts. Uh, help us out. Help us keep the lights on here. And uh, we'll also be referencing the Fantasy Pros ECR. We might even talk a little bit of underdog fantasy. We're known to do that from time to time. So if you like best ball, check out underdog.com. Really awesome best ball uh, platform for you. And today we're going to sit down and talk about the New England Patriots. But you already know that because you probably read the title. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get right into it, Steve. New England had a really horrible year in 2020, as was very documented by anybody who covers NFL media. Uh, so not a shock there. They had, they were one of the most impacted teams in the COVID year. They had a lot of people sitting out. Uh, they lost functionally half their defense sat out due to COVID. And, you know, most of those folks are coming back. So it's it's going to be an interesting situation for this year because the the team should be significantly better in 2021. They're they're bringing back a lot of those folks that sat out during last year. They're not having any issues getting people vaccinated. So should be more of a return to form a little bit. So that's that's the good news. The bad news to a certain extent is that your quarterback is likely still going to be Cam Newton. And he looked very poor last year. He was kind of a shell of historical Cam Newton, right? He's a long way away from the seven years ago Cam Newton of 2015. But they're bringing him back. They're expecting him to be able to hopefully do a little bit better than he did last year, especially because there's a, I mean, he also got COVID last year, which derailed part of his season. So there's that. Shouldn't be as much of an issue this year. And it looks, it's looking like he's going to be the starter but the reason why it's more of a conversation than than it otherwise might be is in the draft, they actually went out and secured Mac Jones. So people have been kind of theorizing who would be the quarterback for the future in New England. Well, for right now, I would think we would have to agree that it's Mac Jones. So let's let's help people kind of unpack this as, as it relates to redraft 2021. So who are you? How do you how do you view this, Steve? Who, who are you more excited about? if anybody, as, as in the quarterback room for New England. Well, to your point, the basically the entire start, it wasn't just half their defense. 
defense. It was basically their entire starting defense opted out of the 2020 season, and they still had nine wins or seven and nine. They went seven and nine last year. So to think that they're going to get those back and could easily flip the script this season is not out of the realm of possibility. And then Cam Newton, again, to your point, remember the first three, I want to say three or four weeks of the season last year, Cam Newton was a top five quarterback because he was dominating on the ground. And then he got COVID, missed a couple weeks, took him some time to get his legs back. But once he felt 100% near the end of the season, he was a top eight quarterback the last four weeks of the year. So Cam Newton didn't have a horrendous season. He just had that chunk in the middle when he was dealing with COVID and the after effects. So I think he's still going to be fine this year. I think it's going to be his job mainly because yes, they did finally spend a first round pick on a quarterback, which Belichick had never done before, but historically speaking, quarterback or not quarterback, no matter where you are on the team, no matter where you were drafted, Bill Belichick does not play rookies. He just doesn't believe in it. He wants his veterans to lead his team. So unless everything goes completely sideways on them, I think it's highly unlikely that Mac Jones takes a snap until potentially 2022. Now that's the extreme we have it projected that Cam Newton eventually cedes the job to Mac Jones, I believe, the last six games of the year. And the reason for that is things going sideways. So that's Cam getting hurt and or you have the Bills in that division, you have the Dolphins in that division, and the AFC in general is extremely competitive. It will be tough for the Patriots to get back to Certainly winning the division, I feel like, is out of the realm of possibility. But getting back to the playoffs in general is going to be difficult for them. Even with that defense, they could go 10-7 and seven with the extra game, but, but may struggle to get to the postseason. So I think it's going to be Cam Newton's job for at least half of the year, which is fine by me. And it, even when Mac Jones comes in, I don't think that's going to impact anybody at any other skill position to matter enough that the QB is, is going to make a difference. It's just worth noting that Cam Newton is going to be a decent bye week fill in, I think for the first part of the year. But other than that, I don't want him as a starter and I don't want Mac Jones and redraft in general. That's fair. Th that mm -hmm. That's all fair. So let's put a fine point on it as far as Cam Newton goes. So I've got him for our website. We've got him projected to be QB 24. And that's a function of what you just said. The fact that we're projecting him to not start effectively the back six games of yeah. the season. So that would be why, because if he was going to start those six games, he would likely shoot up the rankings probably by about six spots. So he would end up in that QB 18 ish neighborhood. If he, if we actually thought he was going to get if all I, yeah, starts I could for this tell season. You. You, but you go ahead. So the the only thing to note, as as it is with Cam Newton, is well, he's the original Konami code. Yeah, he's the OG. He's the first one, basically, from years gone by. So you 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 referenced it. You're always going to get a nice rushing floor with Cam Newton. And as you and I have said for how many years now? Probably seven. He's the best goal line back in the history of the NFL. <laughs> right. That's not hyperbole. He's the best goal line. Move over, Mike Allstott. Yeah, he's the best one that's ever existed. And it's just a function of what he does. It's his frame. It's how big he is. He's so good around the goal line that 
you've referenced those first four games where he was dominating on the ground. Right. It's largely because he was doing that Josh Allen stuff now where he just get they get to the two yard line, give it to Cam Newton three times and let yeah. him just punch it in. That might be a little bit less of order this season with Damian Harris kind of stepping up. But if you think Cam Newton's not going to run around the goal line, I got some bad news for you. Yeah. Damian Harris truthers, because that's going to happen. And so, so to put <laughs> to to put a bow on it, uh, what you're what you're saying, the um the projections that we have here are for Cam Newton to play 11 games. All of our starters we have at about 16 games. If you were to extrapolate the numbers we have given him and project him for a 16 game season, he would be a top five fantasy quarterback. So exactly. So that's 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 why I'm, I wanted to to break that down because if you if you're a gambler, mm-hmm. if you like to gamble. I can think of worse gambles than gambling on Cam Newton at the end sure. of my draft because he'll effectively be your second quarterback all, yeah. almost certainly That's, at that point. You know what? Any chance we can bring this up, I love to do it. So just think of Gardner Minshew <laughs> last year, our guy, Gardner Minshew, because last year he was a top 10 quarterback in the games he was starting, but they had no commitment to him beyond last year. So even though he was putting up great fantasy numbers, they still sat him down. That theoretically could be Cam Newton. You could see Cam Newton for the first eight, nine, ten weeks of the season be a top ten quarterback and be a hot waiver ad at the start of the year. And then all of a sudden, because he's not part of their plans and the team isn't winning games, he loses his job to Mac Jones and is on the bench and does nothing for you. So exactly. it's, it's a like you're saying, it's a big gamble. It is, it is, but at its relative price point, I don't think it's that big of a gamble. Because sure. if I can get Cam Newton at the end of my draft to be my backup quarterback effectively, I can probably ride with him at the beginning of the season, particularly if I decide to invest in one of these rookies coming in yeah. who I don't want to start coming yeah. into the season. I can roll with Cam Newton at the beginning part of my season, feel pretty good about that. And then if something goes wrong, I have somebody waiting in the wings. Or we're wrong which I hate to admit does happen from time to time. <laughs> Don't like to talk about it, but it does huh. happen. We're wrong. And then the Patriots are better than we have, have them to be projected for. And he's basically your starter for effectively the whole year. Because the, the counter argument to that would be if they are winning enough of these games and it looks like they are going to be a playoff team, Mac Jones won't see the field. Yeah, He'll sit for the whole year. And then in, in all likelihood next year, he'll be your starting quarterback. So for my money, Cam Newton is a sneaky little play at the back end of fantasy drafts. Or if you don't want to do that, you could always pick him up off waivers, as you mentioned before, because he likely won't be being drafted uh, by virtually anybody. So it's it's one of those situations. And then Mac Jones, to me, is a conversation for 2022. It's a name you need to know. It's a, it's a, it's a person that you'll likely be able to get at some point on waivers if he does get the job. But it's not something I want to draft. I'm not going to hold it. I'm not going to waste my time holding it. And if you're playing in a dynasty league and listening to this, you already know what you're going to do. Draft Mac Jones and see if he pans out. So there's there's really no point to getting too much further down the rabbit hole on either one of those. But Cam Newton is an interesting little proposition. Decent value, if you're asking me personally. Mm-hmm. So I'd be a little excited about it at, at given how cheap it is. The nice thing about either guy, we've seen enough. I've seen enough personally, Mac Jones through two preseason games to kind of get a sense of the idea that I don't think he's the game's too the game's not too big for him. 
if it does become Mac Jones, I'm not worried about the skill position players, which is where I want to dovetail into. And I referenced his name before, but I think we'll talk about what matters unless you want to continue talking about quarterback. But I think what matters to me, at least, and to a lot of people is the running back room to a certain extent, because the, the hot name for the Patriots is Damian Harris. Yeah. So for those who maybe didn't watch football last year, for whatever reason, Damian Harris came in, he was a rookie and he pretty much immediately took that job away from Sony Michelle. Not exactly a high bar because it's Sony Michelle and Sony Michelle truthers. I'll fight with you about this all day long. He's not good. Just to put a fine bow on that. Sony Michelle is not good. And Damian Harris came in, took that job away, and he's going to be the primary running back for this season. So your first and second down running back will be Damian Harris. If you've never seen him, you're in for a treat because it's one of the most violent rushing styles I've ever seen in my entire life. My exact comment to you last year when he was when we were watching him play was, man, he's fun to watch, but he's going to get himself killed. Yep. About a week later, he then got hurt because his running style is... I'm going to run directly at the person who's in front of me and try and go through them. And he's very successful at doing that uh, a lot of the time. But <laughs> if you're going to play like that, you're going to you're going to get hurt at some point in this league. So he's going to be your primary running back for between the tackles, first and second down. He's not exactly like a threat to catch a lot of passes, not to say he can't catch, but he's not really a pass catcher. Your third down back, because time is. Time is uh, not affecting this individual. Is still James White. James White is back. He will be your third down running back. And Bill Belichick and the Patriots love him. So I don't. I view that as your starting two running backs. It's James White. It's Damian Harris. And then there's some interesting names behind that to a certain extent, not named Sony Michelle, uh, because they have JJ Taylor, who, if you've been watching preseason football this year, has actually put some nice tape out there. He looks pretty good. And they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, mm-hmm. who. Also, I'm not somebody I'm particularly high on, but I will say he's also put some nice tape out there. And to me, all that does is it just firmly cements the death of Sony Michelle. They now have three guys effectively at running back who would be on the death chart. And not, I'm not even talking about James White. There'd be three traditional running backs ahead of Sony Michelle. So that's the big change from 2020 to 2021. Sony Michelle is done. I think you and I talked about this in the pre-show meeting. I don't think either one of us is even thinking that he's, I think he's not going to make the team. Right. Like he'll you know, be on the open market. We talked about this in the draft that when they took Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round, to me, essentially, that was the end of Sony Michelle. Like Ramondre Stevenson was a top seven. I think I had him seven or eight uh, in my RB prospects board. That he basically does everything Sony Michelle does, but he's younger and Cheaper. he can catch the ball. So. Sony Michelle's still on his rookie deal, so he's not necessary. Well, he is slightly cheaper. He would be slightly Michelle cheaper because, yeah, exactly. So he would be slightly cheaper. But, but even still, like that, the money isn't the huge factor. It's the fact that Sony Michelle is not good, and Stevenson now brings basically his running style, but is faster, younger, and can catch the ball, which Sony Michelle has never been able to consistently do. I don't think they carry all five running backs. They're probably like they signed, re-signed James White in the offseason. They could theoretically cut him now, but he's one of their locker room leaders. I find it much more likely that he just eventually cedes that RB2 job to Taylor or Stevenson. And those are the young guys they want to build around. I think Sony Michelle, like we've talked about, just does not make the team, doesn't really matter. 
Stevenson was a guy I've been targeting at the end of rookie drafts in Dynasty just because of that upside. If something happens with Damian Harris, potentially he could be, again, he could be everything you wanted Sony Michelle to be, but younger, cheaper, and you're starting over. And Yeah, exactly. And so as far as things that we would want to, you know, coach people through actually drafting, as, not, as many nice things as we've just said about Ramondre Stevenson, he's not draftable in a 12-team redraft, which is what this is obviously built around, right? That's what yep. this show is prepping people for. Yep. So Ramondre Stevenson's not draftable. Neither is J.J. Taylor. We really just bring it up to kind of set the table for the running back room. The yep. only two pieces that might be draftable, one certainly is, is Damian Harris, who we have projected on our website. He's a polarizing figure. Our projection has him at running back 43 for the website. I can tell you my personal ranking of Damian Harris, though, is 34 overall in as far as not. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let me back that up. He's 30, <laughs> I just realized what I did. Yeah, he's yeah. 30. He's 34 running back. RB yeah, yeah. 34, not 34 overall. Don't yep. edit this out. He's, yeah, and he's <laughs> RB 29 for me. Exactly. And so I think you and I, based on that, are saying, yeah, he's he's an RB3 effectively. And if he was my third running back on my team, I'd be very happy with that because he'll, he'll have some starts for you throughout along the way. He'll be, he'll be playing some meaningful snaps for your fantasy team. And he's going to score quite a bit in the way of touchdowns. The only thing that as far as PPR goes that limits him is the lack of pass catching. If he caught more passes, he would go even higher for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, I was, if you have an ADP for him, I'd love to know it just because we haven't, that was the one thing we didn't cover in the pre-show meeting, just because I'd love to know where he's actually being drafted. That's where we would recommend it, but uh, I know Damian there's Harris right now is going at RB 33. There you go. So I'd be, yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I think sure. that's a fair price. And, uh, for what yeah, you're he, likely, he's in to. that neighborhood. He's in the seventh round basically. Um, so what basically you're looking at the guys that we've talked about several times of, oh man, I've waited way too long to get an RB1. This is deep down the list, and now I'm taking dart throws at RB2. That's where Damian Harris lands. I, I think that's about right. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. We all more or less see that the same way, whether it's the public or it's other industry folks. Everybody's more or less on yeah. the same page. Damian Harris, RB31 in the ECR, by the way. So yeah, it's we're, we're, we're a little bit ahead of them, but that's all right. Yep, it, like I'm I said, it's all it. upside and where where you feel comfortable taking those guys. And then James White's the other one that you might logically draft, um, but it'll be at the end of your draft more than likely, or at least it should be. And for me, I've got I've got James White in the kind of low 40s. He's at 47 for me, and it's just mm -hmm. because it's kind of the function of the same thing. He's got the pass catching work, and he'll be a factor catching the ball on third downs, and he'll get some red zone work for sure. We've seen that for years. They'll throw some dump offs to him around the goal line when Cam Newton's not trying to stuff it in, yeah. or Damian Harris isn't trying to run it in from the ten yard line. It'll there'll be some James White going on out there for you, but he's getting up there in years. It's not something you can really trust. So you're kind of banking on kind of one last ride out, I think, from James White here as far as real relevancy. Our website's a little bit more bullish than me. We have him projected at RB37, but again, that's a projection versus a ranking. So for me, I'm going to leave him down there at kind of the, the upper 40s. And if right. you get something great, but it's not something I would be heavily investing in. And I can't imagine from what I've, from all the mocks I've seen and from everything we've been doing, I can't imagine that people are heavily investing in James White. No, and that's the thing too. Like, I, 
the projection currently up there for James White, like you said, is 37, but that's because we're projecting him for 75 targets, that he'll be the RB3, the uh, the third down back, basically the entire season. And the more we look into this and how good Stevenson looks and Taylor looks and how it seems like this is going to be Harris's job for sure, the less convinced I am that James White actually has that third down role the entire year. So I think those targets are going to end up being redistributed to, especially to Harris, uh, because we already have a chunk of them on Ramondre Stevenson, but to Stevenson as well. And then that's going to basically crater James White. Uh, Right now he's going at RB 50 and ADP. You can have him at pick 167 overall, which is the 14th round. So if that's something that you want, you go right ahead. But for me, that's not worth a draft pick. Probably not, but there is a specific scenario. If there are specific scenarios with my team that I would potentially make that move, there, you'd have to. You'd, I'd have to know what your team is, right? Mm-hmm. How's your team shaping up? Do you do you feel like you need some kind of veteran presence at running back at the end? It's it's your last draft pick, so I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over it either way. Worst case scenario, you pick him up and then you cut him right away and go find something else for the literally your last roster spot. Right. <laughs> I'm not overly concerned about it, but. And also standard standard PSA for those who might be new to fantasy football. Uh, the Patriots running back room is always chaos. Life is chaos. Uh, and people get this wrong all the time because just go back to, you don't have to go back any further than last year to see what Rex Burkhead did for them. And Bill Belichick is no stranger to just rotating it through like a car wash. So you're playing with fire whenever you're talking about New England Patriots RB. So that's why, despite the fact that they have five guys, only two of them really one would be worth a draft pick because this is all subject to change. The only thing I have a lot of confidence in is Damian Harris. I think they believe in him for at least this year and we'll see how it goes for future years, but let's, let's pivot into, into pass catcher here. Let's start with, uh, with wide receiver. So they still have uh, Jacoby Myers, who I believe is the one in, mm-hmm. as far as like their, their wide receiver core. Jacoby Myers is an interesting story for those who may not be familiar with that gentleman. He played quarterback in college and he's bounced around the league a little bit and he had a great year with them in 2020. He had, he actually has quite the route tree for a guy who did not play wide receiver for much of his career, you know, before the NFL, he's got a very dynamic route tree. He can, he can go down the field, but he's really good at making space in the middle of the field. He's very good at that. And that's, I mean, we saw it in the preseason. He made a guy miss, took it in from 15 yards out for a touchdown. It's, it's kind of what he does. And he's got, he's got a little bit of a little bit of, he's not Julian Edelman, but he's got a little bit of that Edelman to him. It's kind of what I notice. He does a little bit of the same stuff where he'll work over the middle of the field. He'll make a guy miss, put his foot in the ground and he'll run away from you. So it's very interesting. He's got good hands and he's going to be, I think the wide receiver one for that team. They actually seem to have some level of confidence in him. Especially because once you get away from Jacoby Myers, this is when it starts to get interesting as far as wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Because beyond that, they've got Kendrick Bourne, who's bounced around the league for quite a while. They've got Nikhil Harry, who they drafted and has largely been just a total disappointment. Not, I don't know of another way to explain, explain that to folks. Right. Beyond that, they have, uh, they have Gunnar Olshansky, which is not a thing. And then uh, they've got Matthew Slater, which is also not a thing. So really, as far as wide receiver core, 
does any anything not named Jacoby Myers even move the needle for you at all? Uh, no. I mean, to your point, Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry's hurt right now. Uh, he's going to miss the first couple weeks of the season, and then. Aguilar, oh, I skipped. I, I no, I didn't even talk about. It. I skipped over Nelson Aguilar. Excuse me. I completely for forgot. Nikhil Harry. You skipped over no, Nikhil Harry. No, I didn't. I talked about Nikhil Harry being a disappointment just a second ago. Oh, I literally, I did not. I didn't even. Talk, I didn't over even, I just completely skipped Nelson Aguilar. My apologies yeah. to the listening audience. Nelson they, Aguilar they is they on the team. Aguilar, yeah. From How the little Raiders. I care about Nelson Aguilar. My apologies. I he was he was the it. one for the Raiders last season and had some fantasy relevant weeks. Um, but yeah, to to your point, the guy that actually matters here in this receiving core is Nikhil Harry. Or I'm sorry. See now, now I've done it. Is Jacoby Myers? Nikhil Harry. Well, hurt. we're just going to start wide receiver over, folks. Know, right? yeah, just... <laughs> it is Jacoby Myers, and again, he was dealing with injuries himself last year, but he's a big-bodied receiver. Once he finally got healthy, and they got through the bye week last year, from week seven through week seventeen, Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver twenty-two in PPR. So he was he was a wide receiver too, with Cam Newton as his quarterback as the number one wideout in New England. Now they brought in Aguilar, which is better. Uh, again, say what you want about Nelson Aguilar; he's better than literally anything else they had last season or this year, other actually, than Jacoby Myers. It's actually, not close either. Yeah. So he definitely presents more of a threat. We actually have Aguilar for leading the team in targets, but you've got Myers playing out of the slot. The other two big additions they made in free agency this year that we're about to get to are at tight end. So it's going to be a lot of short range passes and checkdowns, not a lot of deep ball stuff, which is kind of where Aguilar comes into play. And I believe that when they're in two wide receiver sets and two tight ends, that you're looking at Aguilar and Myers being the guys on the field. And again, to, to what we've been saying several times over, except for the the couple fumbles here by saying Nikhil Harry, uh, it is Jacoby Myers, the guy that you would want on this roster. And I feel like he's going at a price point too, where you can have him for basically nothing. I think his ADP is going to move up into drafted range after the couple of games he's had in the preseason. But right now he's going at wide receiver 70 undrafted. Which I I believe is a mistake. So mm. we we have it, it's an interesting thing because we do these projections in May, right? So for the website, we have Jacoby Myers projected at wide receiver sixty five. However, in my rankings, I have Jacoby Myers up at wide receiver fifty five, up there with your your Jalen Ragers and your Mike Williamses of the world. And to be honest with you, I think I could move him up even higher. Just mm-hmm. and I think I might have to, just based on what we've seen from them so far in the preseason whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Mac Jones, they're looking for Jacoby Myers early and often. They're, they need a guy out of the slot. It's a big part of their offense. I referenced Julian Edelman. He's taking that Julian Edelman job for me. That's, that's right. what he's there to do. We've seen that job have a lot of value, whoever it is, for the Patriots in fantasy year on year. So Jacoby Myers is the one for me that I'm actually interested in. Nelson Aguilar, I'm really not as interested in. It, it's, it's a function of the drops that he's had that have plagued him throughout his career and the lack of them taking a whole lot of deep shots just in general, they're not going to be taking a whole lot of deep, deep shots. We saw that last year from that team. They're going to work the middle of the field and try and move the ball down the field. That's how I'm projecting them to try and run that offense. A lot of running of the ball with Harris primarily, and then a lot of like 
over the middle stuff and you know work in the middle of the field work the heavy bag just five yards five yards eight yards and just go down go down that way so that's that's what i'm projecting to watch from new england so if that's going to be what they're doing then jacoby myers should be a busy man yeah so and and the nice part about it is he's functionally free (laughs) right you can get a wide receiver too for virtually nothing yeah i've got him at 50 uh in the ecr he is at 64. Yeah, so he's a back end pick that could but, be a wide receiver. Uh, again, like I said, like right now his ADP is undrafted wide receiver seventy. So he's a guy you can literally get in the sixteenth round if your key is, oh, I'm going to take a kicker in the the fourteenth, a defense in the fifteenth, and then I get Jacoby Myers in the sixteenth. I mean, that's not that's not bad. It's not too shabby. I'd be pretty happy with it because you've got a guy who I think is a wide receiver three to open the season as far as fantasy goes, but could finish as a wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many guys that aren't rookies that you can do that with. Yeah. So Myers is the one I'm interested in. And frankly, I'm leaving the rest of it out there. I've yep. got Myers over Aguilar in my rankings. I'm not really interested in rostering Nelson Aguilar and nothing else in that wide receiver room matters. So I think we've made our point. Get all the Myers shares you can while it's still cheap is the main point there. And then let's talk about let's talk about all pass catchers here and let's expand this out because you referenced it a moment ago. They've been rebuilding that tight end room. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you read the tea leaves even a little bit, they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel out there. Yeah. And for those who might not be familiar with that, what that means is two tight ends effectively. Yeah. They're going to be running, running back two wide receivers and two tight ends. They're going to be running that formation a lot. It's functionally their base formation anyway. So they're going to be out there doing that a lot. You're not going to get a lot of three wide from yeah. the Patriots if they have their way about this. Right. And they went out and they added Hunter Henry from the Chargers. They were willing to spend that money when the Chargers weren't, which is, you know, that's a Belichick hallmark, right? Get good yeah. tight ends and then and then profit. And they also added our boyfriend from years gone by, Jonu Smith. Get your Jonu jerseys, folks. That's right. Get them in. And Jonu Smith also probably for my money has, I think the best one liner so far from all of camp, which is he's referring to the TE room as the Boston TE party and uh, put it in my veins. I love that. That's a great pun. That's, That's fantastic. So Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, you know, if they had, <laughs> if it was one, if it was one guy doing the one job, that would be a top five tight end folks. Sure. Yeah. The fact, the fact that it's two guys sort of messes with that a little bit, I think, for our projections and our rankings, because it's going to be a little hard to count on either one, per se. But they'll both be out there mm-hmm. functionally on every play. I mean, they're, they're going to be on the field a ton. They're both going to be busy people. And I think they're trying to recreate that uh, two tight end set stuff they had from years ago when it was Gronk and he who shall not be named. Yeah. The guy we don't talk about anymore. And uh, uh, canceled. <laughs> very much, very much so. So to be honest, I think it matters more for real football than it does for fantasy, but it just craters all the other pass catchers, not named Myers. So for me, Hunter Henry comes in at 18 in my personal rankings. We have him at 20 in our projections. And then John, who I have at 15, I'm a little more bullish there. And we have him at, at, uh, at 20. So they're 20 and 21 in our projections mm-hmm. for the tight ends. But for me, I've got him at 15 and 18. And it's just a function of how bad tight end is. Yeah, I have Janu at 16 and Henry at 19. Um, and basically, right now, it's 15 and 16. They're back-to-back in the ECR. And then when you look at ADP, 
at tight end. Janu Smith is going at tight end 14, Hunter Henry at tight end 17. But the difference is that you have guys like Higby, Gasecki, Irv Smith that are going in the upper hundreds of overall pick. They're guys that are going at, uh, say, like the 10th round, essentially. And then you have Rob Gronkowski, Janu Smith, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz that are all going in essentially the exact same area in the 12th to 13th round. So they, they're all in that same like touchdown dart throw territory that we're constantly talking about. So yeah, to, to me, I think Janu has the most upside. I think he's the most athletic pass catcher at any position that they actually have, but he j- he's not going to have the volume that he would if he was the guy all by himself, to your point. So there's not as much of a ceiling there as you would hope, but I think he's going to be good enough that he's worth a late round flyer if that's what you're looking for. I agree with that. And I will say this just to coach people through it. I don't want both. We've talked a lot about how at the mm-hmm. end, if you punt tight end, which you 80% of teams will be doing this year, yeah. right? If you're doing that, I don't want both. I've seen people talking about this, the idea that with Hunter Henry getting beat up and also John who not exactly being the picture of health, would yeah. you grab both guys and just run it that it's, way effectively? You know, a waste I, of a roster spot. I wouldn't do that. I would rather spread it around. And frankly, I, as much as I have historically been a fan of both guys, I'd probably be a little bit more interested in just leaving them both out there at their relative ADPs at this point. And, and fishing around at, at some other stuff. Because it's all dart throws and lottery tickets at that point yeah. anyway. But if you do get yourself into a position where one of those guys falls a little bit, I would be happy to roster either one of them and just hope that they don't get hurt. Because they're yeah. going to be very busy people. They're going to have a lot to do on Sunday. And beyond that, there just isn't too much to talk about. No. As far I, as you know what I will say, though, just for our, our general listening public, here's a quick football lesson for you because you'll hear this a lot. So in case you get confused by it, like Neil mentioned, the 12 personnel, whenever you hear anything like that, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21, basically the two numbers, there's always five skill position guys. So on the offense, there's 11 players. You have your five offensive linemen and the quarterback. That's six. So then of the five non-linemen or When you hear 11 personnel, the first number is a running back and the second number is the number of tight ends. And then whatever's left over is wide receivers. So in 11 personnel, that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So there you go. You've learned something here today, if nothing else. There you go. There you go. We taught taught people something hopefully there. Because I'll be honest, I, I know a lot of people who don't know that. Yeah. And people mention that that all the time. Like, oh, they're running 21 personnel. Like if you if you're not familiar with the terminology or the lingo, then that's just confusing. But there but there you go. The first number is running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. You're welcome. There you go. So we taught hopefully we taught some people (laughs) something here today. Whether or not, whether or not it's uh, whether it was fantasy related, who knows? Right, exactly. And so we'll close with this. We've mentioned right at the start of the show that they're returning their defense. Yep. The defense, by virtue of that, if you take the 2020 year out, that defense has actually historically been pretty good. For my money, 
We've got them projected at defense 16, but that was a projection that was done in May. Given what we've seen from them so far, I would actually be more inclined to view them as one of those defenses that we reference in other shows, a defense that finishes outside the top 10 that could get back into the top 10. Mm -hmm. I think they could very easily do that. The only problem is I wouldn't want to draft them as my primary defense because you're going to have to have another option because you're not going to want to start them against the Bills twice a year. Right. And you're not going to want to start them in some of these other games on their schedule that they're going to have to go endure. So given that, I view them as a very nice streaming option, though. Yeah. They're a very high-end streaming option. They that play you, the Jets twice a year. You can't beat right. that. They're going to play the Jets twice a year. And so at least twice a year, they're going to be getting started in your fantasy league by somebody. So it's, it's worth looking into uh, as a streamer along the way. And then kicker is kicker. And it doesn't matter. And this is no exception because they've got NFL veteran Nick Folk. And they're desperately trying to evaluate anybody who can come in and kick. If you've seen even a little bit of their preseason uh, activity so far, they're really struggling in the kicker department. So I would avoid all New England kicker until somebody can prove me wrong Mm -hmm. along the way. It's not worth drafting. Leave it all out there. Don't worry about it. And don't draft that defense either, I wouldn't think. Go ahead and and not worry about, about any of that. And so from there, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as Patriots are concerned? Nope, I think we're good. All right, well, we're all set then. So if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Neil, at Nonsense underscore Steve, and join us tomorrow as we talk about what is going to be one of the most fascinating turnarounds and possibly in NFL history with the New Orleans Saints. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!